0: I've got a kicker question for the start of this second half, Steve Fleming. OK. Right. Author, author of Radical Football, colon, Jürgen Griesbeck and the Story of Football for Good, which uh, came out the very end of January. Have you got the book in your possession yet?
1: I haven't. It's, it's due any day now, so I'm, I'm anxiously looking out the windows for a van, <laughs> which is going to bring me... a. Uh... A nice load of books,
0: like a dog at the window. Have the kids read exactly. any part of it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So one of one of my daughters has read almost the whole thing. Yeah, but I've, I've got twin girls who are who, who are fifteen. So one of them, neither of them are particularly into football, but the book is, I think, much more than a, a book about football, and she she really enjoyed it.
0: Well, that's it. that's the review on the front of the cover. Although you must have some great superlatives lined up on the book. You could ask uh, some of the ambassadors for Kick for Life. Um, Giuseppe Rossi uh, the actor Tyson Beckford former England manager and very good footballer Fabio Capello or Harry Windsor who is a patron as well have you met him?
1: Um, yes but a long time ago and very fleetingly so um, that's enough yeah I'm I'm hoping that we're going to we're going to get some great endorsements from from people and I I hope they're going to be real genuine ones of people who've read the book and uh, and enjoyed it put forward in their own words that, that it's actually what it's meant to them and that
0: yeah this is the kind of book that I can imagine Henry Winter eulogising or Donald McRae at The Guardian or David Walsh. He'd love it. Yeah, it...
1: absolutely. These are the types of people that we want to put, the cop- put copies into their hands and, and also players as well. So through our the players that we have mentioned that are involved in the book, you know, getting them to endorse the book and then pass it on to their, their fellow teammates, that we hope there could be a bit of a snowball effect in, in that
0: regard. Yes, that's right because the time is right i mean obviously it took a senseless killing of someone leaning on someone's neck but to to bring social issues into the globe but the time is now and we're seeing footballers i call it Kaepernicking, uh using your sport for social good is Kaepernicking or rapinoing i think she is she just feels like someone you'd want to hang out with megan rapino
1: yeah yeah she does and uh, yeah, it, it's a great point because I think we are seeing more top athletes using their platforms for, for social impact and, and, and yeah I think we need to certainly add Juan Mata and Marcus Rashford to that list as well but uh, Tom Vernon obviously writes in the book as well talks about a world in which we don't just have a handful of kind of outliers like, like those guys but actually that becomes the norm where athletes are socially conscious and and, and aware and and having a a social impact through their careers. And and Serge Gannabry's chapter, obviously Serge of of Bayern Munich and and Germany, he talks about really the prime of his career and he's got various goals that he wants to achieve on the pitch in terms of assist levels and goals and winning trophies. But at the same time, he's also got like a plan and targets and things he wants to achieve socially off the pitch. And he puts forward a really interesting idea that players could have like a, a career plan that is not just about achievements on the pitch.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting to see Raheem Sterling has finally started up his foundation. He's also talking about meditation in interviews. He gave a really good interview uh, where he said, yeah, I just started meditating and it's working. Uh, I think mindfulness, he's involved in a mindfulness app that he's launched. Uh, So that will tie in with all of that. What I would suggest is that Kick for Life FC should be an option to play on FIFA,
1: that would certainly be, be, be very nice. Yeah, be great for our profile.
0: Because it seems that hashtag FC, which is just, it's a very cleverly marketed idea. If you can market the idea of normal lads playing football through YouTube, then you can market uh, the result of the Lesotho Football for Hope Centre, which opened in 2011, going around the world. Because all it is, is brand recognition. There's a reason why United are so successful it's partly winning and partly alex ferguson yelling at people but it's the branding so how conscious have you had to be in branding uh kick for life and football for good in the last decade
1: yeah really careful i mean kick for life started as a so it's a regular charity using football as a vehicle for for social development so we use football-based games and activities to deliver health education, life skills development, gender equality training and and things like that. But as the organisation grew, it's it's evolved in some kind of unexpected ways. And one of which was when we got our centre out there, we developed some some of our own social enterprises. um, And and these were hospitality businesses, a restaurant and a hotel, which uh, operate as normal businesses, but reinvest the the profits back into our Football for Good programmes, as well as providing training and employment for young people. Uh, both businesses number one on a trip advisor in, in Lesotho and doing really well but that was you know people didn't necessarily understand the business model and what social enterprise was so that was part of the, the education process and then we got the football clubs as uh, football club as well so developing an elite team alongside our charitable programs um, certainly it was something we were very careful about with our communications to ensure that people understood the model and understood the purpose of our football teams to Support our social mission, so attracting interest for, for our social work that we do, but also creating opportunities for some of our players to move overseas and we 've now had five young people from Africa who 've gone on to do academic scholarships in in the United States, fully funded and uh, pursuing great careers. The, the head of of the organization is in Missouri which is the, the capital city of uh, Lesotho, um, and then personally i 'm based here in, in the u k
0: so has it been fun? two years of zoom calls and the like
1: it's been a lot of zoom calls yeah i mean normally prior to the pandemic i'd have been going out to Lesotho two or three times a year and um, we often take football tour groups out there as well which is uh, always an amazing experience so yeah i haven't i've haven't been out there uh, since the start of the pandemic I can't wait to get back out again
0: oh i hope so and will you take the kids and the family
1: and um, they, they came in 2016 we did like a family trip out there which was i think was really important because it had been such a Massive part of my life since they were born. Kick for life and and the girls came into the world in the same year and it's kind of gone a bit of hand in hand. So it's good to take them out when they were 11 and expose them to a completely different environment and uh, way of life.
0: I imagine that telling people at school, oh, my dad is a social entrepreneur, that is what the kids call a mic drop or a flex. They call it a flex. um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you you can do teen slang. I cannot, but...
1: (laughs) I think they were they were more interested in telling them that I'd had a Zoom call with Juan and, and Serge and Eni. Oh, neat! Than telling them I was a social entrepreneur. Yeah.
0: Oh right, yeah. So it's by association. Yeah, uh, yeah. But and they will have met Jürgen as well.
1: No, no they haven't. No. Oh wow!
0: You're saving him for later.
1: Yeah, so you know Jürgen obviously lives uh, in Spain, so he's you know I tend to see him at conferences and events maybe once a year or something like that over the last. 10, 15 years, and actually during the writing of the book, which was done in quite an intensive period, really, we only decided to do it on the uh, the 1st of January 2021 and threw ourselves into the project really intensively. Yeah, it seems strange that we've worked together so closely over the last year. We've had at least a call every week and interviews and loads of communication online and WhatsApp. It seems strange not to have seen them. So, yeah, I can't look, looking forward to actually when we can hook up again.
0: Are you doing any events between you to launch the book? I mean, this is a guy who has been to Davos before, so he has friends in influential places. Uh, is he doing anything at Davos this year? I know it's online.
1: Yeah, so yeah, watch this space. We're okay. working on a number of things, but nothing, nothing confirmed yet. I'm doing a small event in my, uh, my hometown, St. Neots, when it, when it first comes out, and then we're working on some other um, opportunities as well, involving the, the various Radical Eleven
0: Ooh. contributors as well. Marvellous. And just to remind people uh, that that Radical Eleven includes Dale Vince, Britain's most famous hippie, Pippa Grange, one of the most forward-thinking thinkers in football, Serge Gnabry, who played for Arsenal, and West Brom, famously, uh, Tom Vernon of Right to Dream, Eni Aluko, and Jürgen Griesbeck, who poses a question to the reader. Do we really want change? That's a kind of gauntlet thrown to the floor. So how did you first come across him and what was the first thing he said to you like in the form of a kind of evangelical question?
1: So you first heard about Jürgen when we'd set up Kick for Life. So Kick for Life was founded in 2005 and we were at that point obviously very well connected with other organisations around the world using football. Um, But then we heard about Street Football World, which was a a network that he and, and others had created to really connect all the different organisations around the world using football to address various social issues. And that immediately resonated with us. We wanted to be a part of that. We got in touch and I believe it was 2009 when I first met Jürgen and Kick for Life became a part of that community of organisations and that has led to loads of opportunities for us in terms of learning and connecting and funding as well and also being able to contribute back into supporting other smaller organisations and new organisations. Um, so it's that whole collaboration that's really at the heart of what everything that he's done. So he, he set up his own project initially, but then saw the vision of actually what, what, what more could we achieve if all the projects around the world were connected? And then the further evolution is, well, what about if we try and change the football industry to support those organisations? And that's Common Goal.
0: Which is working. And the fact that it got global coverage... And I, what well, I knew about it instantly, and I thought, well, why has this not been done before? What is what possible reason can footballers not give a penny of every pound that they earn? I mean, they may they may just lock their boot sponsorship money or their bonuses into a trust that would dispense uh, to um, football for good. Is it a private company or a limited company? What is the finance situation like? it's a charity
1: it's not really described as a charity it's more a, of a movement so the idea is that people contribute their funds and it can go to a wide range of different charities so Kick for Life is one of like 150 organisations that benefits from, from common goals so the funding is, is taken into a common pot and then distributed out to the charities that um, the players managers etc wish to support and, and to causes close to their heart so the money just doesn't go and then disappears they, they actually connect with the project and I think that's really important um, so Serge Gnabry, for example, it, it, the, the funds that he contributes to Common Goal go to uh, projects in, in, in the Ivory Coast, which is uh, part of his
0: heritage. Yeah, that's genius. Um, and you have a board which is available online. Oh, I can't remember the URL. Is it kickforlife.org? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Someone is, is the kind of honorary. It's uh, Tyson, isn't it? How did you get Tyson on board?
1: So yeah, in, in my brother uh, Pete, who's the co-founder of Kick for Life, he moved to Lesotho when we set up and he was responsible really for getting the organisation off the ground. But after living there for, for about five years, he uh, and his wife decided they'd have a big change and they moved to, to New York in the US uh, and registered Kick for Life as a foundation there to open up a new funding stream. And through through living in New York, he got to know Tyson Beckford, um, made a connection and then yeah, he, he got involved with, with the organisation.
0: Uh, Jürgen is... I wouldn't say pessimistic, but it feels like he's been kicking at this door for decades. He says football at the top level is dangerous and negligent and that we need to close the collaboration gap, which I apologise, there's a lot of information in the paragraph, but there's a lot of information in this book, Radical Football, 1499. So you can pick whatever you want from that, para. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of the voices in the book talk about the issues with the football industry um, and, and that it's not... Serving people and society in society in the way that it should, it needs to change. I think Jürgen is realistic about it. He's very resilient. When when people read the book, they'll see he's come up against resistance and, and challenges every step of the way, but he keeps going and keeps driving forward, and and eventually, you know, seeing change happen. And Common Goal was one great example of people saying this won't work, and and it has worked to a degree. And I think Jürgen is very open about saying, you know, it's amazing that we've got. 200 of the world's top players as part of this movement. But actually there's 60,000 professional footballers out there. We need to keep going. We need to drive and get more people signed up and, and more brands and more clubs to this movement. And then we can really see scaled social impact. Um, but there's some great chapters that talk about governance of football as well. So Moya Dodd, um, who was one of the first three women on the board of FIFA after 108 years of all-male rule. And, um, she was on the board, I think, 2016, um, possibly earlier. I can't, can't remember the exact date, but yeah, it talks about her experiences of being on the board and seeing some of the negative behaviours um, and puts forth some great ideas for how governance and football can be, be changed to, uh, and improved.
0: And yet, I'm sure Brian Swanson, who is now the FIFA press officer, will be able to tell you, FIFA have done an incredible amount of work to get football off the ground in the developing world. And... And the, the the nations have given that love to FIFA back. There, There's now been this root and branch reform where everyone who was involved in getting Russia and Qatar the World Cup is dead or in jail or lived in Trump Tower and was a whistleblower, apart from one, I think. So FIFA is a new organisation. Do you have any confidence as someone who works with an organized with Common Goal, that by 2030... A lot of what Jurgen wants will have been delivered, or is 2030 too soon? It's a great ambition.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the book isn't just the FIFA bashing book. That's a really important point to uh-huh. make, and yeah. and a big, a big part of the story is about how, how Jurgen and and the team at Street Football World partnered with FIFA and and helped it to develop a genuine corporate social responsibility. Um, approach and also certainly kick for life we've been funded by the fifa foundation now for many years and they've supported our our work with with vulnerable girls and, and young women and so we see the great work they do um, but the message of the book is that actually we need to make more radical changes um, not 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 just having this approach of, of making contributions and donations to work but actually changing changing the organization so changing the governance to make it more diverse and inclusive um, driving forward women's football and and, and representing it much, much more deeply and quickly. Oh yeah. So 2030 is, um, so yeah, the two things happening in 2030 is the hundredth anniversary of the men's world cup. And then the deadline for the sustainable development goals, which were um, targets developed by the United nations and various other stakeholders around things that needed to happen around education, around health, uh, around the climate to, to really sort the world out. It's, It's not long away. It's eight years away. Um, some progress has been made but not quickly enough so a big call to action in the book is you know, we need to all of us play our part in, in moving towards that and football has, has a big contribution to make.
0: Good luck um, but hopefully all it is all it seems to be and we've seen throughout the millennia it's the Overton window theory. If If it's acceptable to kiss a man in public in certain countries then it just becomes normalised so young people will grow up in that world. We grew up you realise that we were not allowed to be told in in school about being gay. It was banned.
1: Yeah, indeed. So in society, we look at some of the things that have happened in society since uh, my childhood and your childhood, and there's been some great progress. Obviously, some areas, not so much, but we look at things like uh, homophobia, women's rights. Um,
0: Equal really pay,
1: great, yeah. Great progress has been made, yeah. And um, possibly those things, it wasn't believed that that could happen 30, 40 years ago, but now we see it, so... Um, and, and Jürgen's question is, do we want it enough? So do we want it enough to, to represent the most marginalised people in the world? Do we want it enough to uh, tackle climate change? And uh, that, that the call to action in the book is, hopefully, the answer is yes, people do. And that we need to act collectively and collaboratively to address some of these issues. And, and football can be one vehicle for, for uniting people.
0: And the book would certainly speak for itself again. It's 50 chapters, uh, each digestible. Uh, but by choosing to include, well, it's 11 plus. So, Jürgen. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Jurgen is, is not actually in the Radical 11.
0: No, he's the manager, obviously. Um, and by having them there, they're the first 11 people who can justify the 50 chapters beforehand. At what point during the book's genesis? So, you had the idea on Jan 1, at what point did you think getting the Radical 11 in the book itself would be useful?
1: remember exactly when it emerged but the original vision was just to tell really jürgen's story but as it happened we we wrote what's called the first half and that that took us to a point where it felt like we needed a change of voice so that was written in the third person by me and then i never intended really to tell the kick for life story in the book but it felt appropriate to actually then go to the first person and write about my own experiences so the second half of the book is done in parallel with the continuing story of of jürgen and common goal um and, and telling kick for life stories one organization within the network that he built and then uh, as we went through that the, the the idea came through of having this radical 11 of actually instead of just me and Jürgen giving our our thoughts on it it's much more powerful if we bring in other stakeholders who've got powerful voices as well um so this idea of a third half and and people who who will read the book will understand the relevance of that that terminology gives the, the book great power and i, I I was, a bit worried. I was a bit worried about how that would come across suddenly having 11 different um, styles and, and, and voices in the book and would it hold together. And I think when I read them individually, I really liked them. But when I read it collectively, I was really blown away by how powerful their collective voice is. So I think it's actually the, the best part of the book. Um, and False the most modesty. Important
0: part. False modesty. Just because Sir <laughs> Gnabry's played for Germany doesn't mean that you're any less good. Um, has he got twin teenagers? No, I just, I, I don't think, I think he's still very young. Um, there, have, there have been a couple of anthologies. There's music mainly, but also in football now. Ian Ridley in his floodlit dreams imprint, imprint brought out Football She Wrote, which are 11 different voices, all with a different story to tell, either first person or reportage as third person. And the multiplicity yeah. of voices means that it becomes testimon- testimonials is what they are. And so you've... It's almost as if, don't believe me, ask our friends, Dale Vince, who runs a sustainable football club. And I think it's a very smart way uh, to bring a book out. Uh, the book came out, as this goes out, at the very end of January, during the winter break. So I don't know if it will get covered or will have got covered because there's no football going on that week, apart from the Africa Cup of Nations final. So that's smart.
1: Yeah, maybe... Uh... I'm not sure if it was deliberate or not. Maybe, maybe the publisher had that in mind. But um, yeah, um, I think football is always relevant. So I'm hoping that it's going to have the book will have relevance for for a, for a good uh, good stint.
0: I was told when I was doing a job a couple of years ago, football doesn't take a day off. Because I said, "Oh, can I take uh, Easter, Good Friday off?" No, give give me some content. Football doesn't take a day off, and it doesn't because it's always in the conversation. There is always football. And I will certainly pay attention to Kick-for-Life FC, both the women's and the men's. I think the problem this year for the men's team is that you can't score goals. 13 goals halfway through the season uh, is a problem. So has there been something the matter in front of goal? Or are the goalkeepers just very good? It's
1: it's, it's quite a low-scoring league. It as, is, yes. Yeah. Actually, across quite a bit of Africa, that tends to be the case um so tactically games are are very tight and yeah we we could we yeah it'd be better if we scored more goals we need to score more goals but at the same time we're not conceding too many either Uh, so we're we're sitting nicely very solidly in mid table but yeah um, a few more goals would be very welcome uh
0: there's a world cup at the end of the year we can't go into it because it's just so tedious so tedious, but I guess there's a president of the Lesotho Football Association who will be going to Qatar this year.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if they'll be going, but um, you know, one of the great stories of Kick for Life is, is a guy called Chris Bullock who um came on one of our tours out to Lesotho in his early 20s, uh, Portsmouth fan, but uh, he's a good bloke nonetheless. But he uh. came out and <laughs> fell, in love, fell in love with Lesotho and came back a couple of times on more trips and eventually moved out there to work for Kick for Life. Around about 2013, and has never come, never come home, apart from visiting family, etc. And um, he, he became our director of football, uh, building our men's and women's football clubs, and doing an amazing job. And then a couple of years ago, was asked to go and work for the Lesotho FA, and so he's now deputy secretary general of, of the Lesotho FA, so second in command of the whole country's football administration. And and he is then now driving forward some of those great changes we want to see around using football for for social change and for women's empowerment. So quite a story.
0: That's brilliant. Well, I know Lesotho, for those who don't know, it seems to be like the pip in the apple of Africa, and it's within South Africa. It's a teeny tiny country.
1: Yes, it's a country that a lot of people have never heard of. Mm -hmm. Hardly anybody's been there. It's a totally stunning country, and I won't go into the history of how it ended up being totally surrounded by one other country. Yes, it's a beautiful country. It's got a lot of social challenges, HIV being... Uh, probably the yes. major one, yeah. and a lack of economic development. And you know that's, that's why we're there, because of the need and also because of the opportunity, and that opportunity is football. So combining the ability of being able to engage people through through football to address some of those issues.
0: Would some of Lesothoans have worked at the World Cup in 2010? Would you have developed them to work in hospitality around that time, either in Lesotho or South Africa?
1: Yeah, that was before we had our, right. our social enterprises up and running, but... Uh, the World Cup in 2010 was a great opportunity for for Kick for Life and Lesotho. So we, the centre that we got was part of the legacy of, of that World Cup from FIFA. We were able to take some of the young people in our programs to, to World Cup matches. There was a, a festival in, in Johannesburg that we, we participated in. So yeah, it had a massive impact, and the timing was good for us because we, we were a young organisation just getting started, and suddenly there was all this focus and interest in, in football in Africa. So it gave us a great platform to get started
0: yeah right place right time so we talked about these development goals and the aims for 2030 and then you'll want to go back to Lesotho can you go this summer or is the pandemic still hitting them quite hard
1: so they're hoping to get back this year so it's been tough and um, there's been obviously lots of lockdowns and restrictions the hospitality enterprises that we have it's been really difficult for them because there's no furlough scheme so our best to protect and the business uh, and and the, and the organization it feels like now Fingers crossed that we're we're moving into a period we're going to going to be able to start building back to where we were. So certainly hoping to get back out this year.
0: David Goldblatt, whom I haven't had in the football library, he is his books do kill people. I, if you if you plonk them off a fifth floor window, the ball is round. Can keep you. I'd have that as my book on Desert Island Discs because I haven't read it yet because it's so. Um, formidable but David does a lot of work in sustainability and environment and warning that entire football clubs could become extinct because of the climate you haven't had Goldblatt or any academic ask you about various things because this seems like a dream master's thesis for someone if you're either marketing or tourism or sport or coaching I mean kick for life could be the subject of about 20 master's theses or newspaper articles.
1: Yes, I've met David. Oh, brilliant! A couple of times, I think. Uh, great guy, fantastic book. I, I really, am really keen to get this book into the hands of academics. There's a, a growing number of courses at universities that are focused on sport for development and sport for social change. So, uh, really keen to to get this the book into their hands and to start kind of influencing some of the thinking uh, around how we how we change football and uh, um, change sport. Uh, put purpose into into the industry.
0: When I whenever I hear a really good song, I always say, "Well, this is dangerous because this could change how music is heard or processed or produced." And this could be one of the. I mean, sorry to say this, but it is probably one of the most important football books of the year. The fact that Pitch have got it is testament to how much they believe in the project and in what Jürgen is saying. If people are bored of bottles being thrown at Aston Villa players and Watford hiring Roy Hodgson and Ray Lewington, combined age 146 <laughs> to save the club. Um, there's so much football beyond. It's a, football is an iceberg, isn't it? We only see the elite and underneath a kick for life and common goal. Well, the common goal is part of the iceberg now. Yes, it's a it's planting the seed in the minds of... Um, it, so it's continuing what Jürgen has done for the last 20 to 30 years in book form and so having your name on the cover must give you you must be delighted right you must be delighted as a post-match reporter yeah
1: i'm really pleased i mean i'm really grateful for the opportunity of having that going through the creative process of writing the book and i think that's where it came from um i just finally decided i need to do a second book and approach Jurgen, and he was keen to felt it was the right moment to kind of tell his his story um, so yeah, it's been amazing talking about the, kind of those two sides of football that you mentioned makes me think of another of the Radical Eleven contributions, which is from Khalida Papal, who um, has been in the news a lot because she's been helping to rescue um, yes. Afghanistan's female football players. Yeah. Uh, she's a founder of the Afghanistan Women's Football Team, incredibly inspirational person, and and her chapter is powerful, emotional, um, ultimately inspiring, but talks about some of the the issues that women face playing football in Afghanistan. It's, the game doesn't represent those people enough and doesn't support the most marginalised fans in the world. So she talks about material football, which is the football that we see, that you were talking about, the elite football. But it also talks about every, everybody football, which is the football of the fans, um, the people who play in the parks and the streets. Um, and that is just as important as, as uh, material football.
0: Well... I'll tell you how you know the power of football. You know its power when it's gone. You know when football is taken away from you. And so with horrific topicality, you must have been following what was going on with the, with the Taliban in the summer, last summer. They've resettled a lot of women footballers in the north of England, I think. Have any gone to Denmark?
1: Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, she's done an amazing job. Um, and, and I saw actually on um, at the weekend that a group of players had been taken to, um, given the
0: opportunity to go and see a game at, at Brentford, which was uh, great to see. Gosh. Never mind Sepp Blatter wanting the Nobel Peace Prize. Some of these people who are altruists and extremists. I mean, that, that first... I'm sorry, I didn't read that chapter before coming in here, but it is. I, as again, as I have said several times, I've got this book, and I would. What I'd love to do, if you've only got X amount of money this year for Christmas, you must ask for this book: Radical Football, Jürgen Griesbeck, and the Story of Football for Good. I'll give you a copy. I could chuck it in free. You can get a story of the youth cup as a kind of dessert, uh, but this is this is a meaty, this is a meaty book, and uh, it's published on pitch. And hopefully you will have heard about it by the time this podcast goes out in the middle of February, Uh, by which time I guess Southampton will be safe. This Broca seems to be the latest kid. Broca and livramento they're the big guys this season.
1: Yeah, they're looking good. And as always, the the, the hope is that we can hang on to them.
0: I can't remember when Southampton are playing Watford, but as long as we don't concede a goal after 10 and a half seconds, it's progress. (laughs) um but yeah as long as
1: we don't concede nine we'll be happy
0: oh yeah no we're not with that defense that you've shored up at the Uh, back uh but yeah thank you very much steve and have a very peaceful rest of the year uh promoting this book and are are the girls in year 11 this year are they gcse year
1: yeah big exam year for, for the girls so yeah they're doing they're working hard
0: good i should hope so if not uncle jürgen can kind of uh, <laughs> Convincing give them them. a nudge yeah. indeed alright well I don't know any uh, do, they, do they speak Afrikaans in, or Kosa in Lesotho what language do they speak
1: no So say Susuti yes is the language
0: yes and do you know how to say goodbye in that language no <laughs> I should do <laughs> but well next to- for the next book when you've written another one in 10 years time I'll give you a Susutu test. But thank you very much for dropping into the football library. You get your football library card. I don't know if you want Le God on it or if you want uh, Steve, Steve, um, Chris, Chris Bullock, if you want him on the football library card. Chris, yeah, I think he'd be good. Yeah. Very good. So you've got that and we'll hope to see you back here. Uh, if not for anything else to take, taking Latiss out of the library. I'm going to have to find out who co-wrote. I think Graham Hiley, Graham Hilly was the co-author yes that's right there that's there. right took an yeah. hour but we got there in the end <laughs> thank you very much Steve. we did just like the library just like the library just like the library just like the library shh <laughs>